Most of you by now know that I work at VIP Mortgage. A lot of you may not know why or how I got there. For us as LOs, we have a lot of options. And for me, VIP Mortgage was the perfect fit and the best place, in my opinion, to work. So if you have any questions about VIP Mortgage as an LO, or if you are a consumer and you're looking for a mortgage, you can reach out to me on social media, or you can reach out to anybody else that you may know at VIP Mortgage. And our website is VIPMTGINC.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Real Talk with Ryan Madrid. First of all, I always like to introduce my, uh, my partners over here. Trisha Madrid, my sister, she handles all my social media and the production along with her son and my nephew, Trey. Uh, Dylan, who isn't here today, he fills in for Trey when Trey's not in town. Trey is a film guy, so he's been doing stuff in LA and Atlanta and stuff like that. So, um, and thank you to VIP Mortgage for allowing us to have this awesome space to do this podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, so today's a special, special day, uh, special guest, co-founding and man, sorry, managing partner and CEO of Neighborhood Ventures, and uh, we have Jameson Manwaring. I say that right? You said it right. Okay. It's like, what is that man wearing? Oh, damn, <laughs> that would have been way easier. Uh, it's Jameson Manwaring, so co-founder and managing partner and CEO of Neighborhood Ventures. So. Really cool idea, um, but before we get into what it actually does, we, I just want to dive into a little bit about your history because when you go through your profile, it's pretty impressive, and um, we talked a little bit before we had last week, we had a really impressive one too, So, uh, but you're equally as, as impressive. So um, I'm not going to go too deep in your childhood, but we know you're from Idaho, you went to University of Utah in Salt Lake City, um, and then from there you went on to New York. So talk a little bit about... Uh, your experience in going to University of Utah, and then what kind of led you to going to New York? Yeah, I think uh, maybe the right word for right, my resume is it's eclectic. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, the the folks that I've heard on your podcast before are probably a lot more impressive. But <laughs> no. yeah, grew up in grew up in small town in Idaho. You know, my mom grew up on a potato farm. Surprise, surprise! You know, in right. Idaho, and uh, I spent a lot of time there in in the summers. Uh, ended up at University of Utah in Salt Lake City. And at just like a lot of us in our early 20s trying to figure out what do we want to do with our lives, I decided I want to go to Wall Street. I really want to understand finance. There's so many opportunities within finance. Uh, if you if you have a, a good finance uh, understanding, you know, Warren Buffett was an inspiration to me. And uh, I realized that uh, in in University of Utah decided to study finance. Um, after looking at all the other options, you know, usually your first few years, you're, you're doing your generals and trying to, to wade your way through it. And I said I wanted to get to Wall Street, and everyone there said, well, uh, maybe you should pivot and right. do some other things because it's very difficult to get to Wall Street from a non-core school. Right. The, the core schools where they recruit from are typically the Ivy Leagues and maybe a couple others. And they hire a couple hundred, uh, each firm hires a couple hundred interns every year. And, and once you get an internship there while you're in college, then that's basically how you get a full-time job, you know, after you right. graduate. So I uh, spent, uh, spent my college years, uh, you know, paid my own way through college. I, I sold security alarms door-to-door, -door, yeah. uh, which is a big thing in Utah. There's actually a big industry up there, uh, former Mormon missionaries, as I was. 
Isn't uh, pest control a big one too? That, that it started with pest control. My older brothers did pest control, okay. and it kind of evolved to you know ADT style yeah. home security. Right. And you can make more per cell with with the home security. So when it was, I'm the youngest of of eight kids, and so my older brothers all did pest control. But okay. when it was my turn, it was right. <laughs> it was uh, security alarms, and that's what got me through college. Okay, uh, the worst. The worst job, you know, for for me, uh, I'm I'm more of an introvert. I can be an extrovert when I need to be, but you get dropped off at you know noon and you knock on doors till nine p.m. all day of the summer, and uh, you get picked up at yeah, at dark and you hope you sold a few security alarm contracts Jeez. during that period That's, of time. That sounds brutal. <laughs> it, the good thing is, after doing that, everything was. So much easier. Oh yeah, uh, uh, it's, it, there's a lot of lot of Mormons that had to do that that are incredible salespeople because yeah. they have zero fear. Yeah, that's why when when people ask about going on you know Mormon mission, yeah, um, I think that they're so valuable. Yeah, uh, f- for that and and yeah, when I started doing it, I had already done that as Mormon missionary, you know, knocking on doors and and getting used to rejection and. And there's there's some maturing that you go through when you when you're talking to people and also just getting to know people. Yeah. When you knock on someone's door and they open it and you you realize how different people are and how you should talk to people differently and understand them and listen to them and all those good kind of sell skills and so I, that translated over to the uh, to the doors we call it summer sells. Yeah. And uh, you know you're able to make some good money uh, knocking on doors, but you're counting down the days at the end of the year. You're uh, you're so excited to get back to school. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did you do it just during the summer? Or did you do it like you, just during okay. the summer? Then you recruit your friends. At okay. The rest of the year when you get back to school. Okay. So the first year I did it by myself. The next year I brought three or four of my friends. And the last year I was a manager and I had a whole office of twenty oh, wow. guys. And then I was done. <laughs> I was yeah. Burnt right. out, but hey, Jameson. Yeah. Where did you do your mission? Uh, Eastern Canada. Uh, uh, Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Canada. Okay. Trey went to school in Toronto. Oh yeah, yeah, Toronto Film School. Yeah, love. Uh, I love Canada, and uh, I hate hated fish before I got there. And I after you know everyone offers you fish, fresh lobster. You know it's a whole different world out there. So nice. Loved loved my. I actually really loved my my mi- Mormon mission two year experience. Yeah, it seems like it's a it's a it's it's one of the it's one of the really good things I think about the teachings, I guess, like, you know, it's like you, you get sent away and you go to, to do this and like, it may not sound appealing to everybody, but it seems like you definitely come back a better person. Definitely. Like you said, your interpersonal communication skills are just out the, I mean, and if you go to a country like, you know, Ecuador or something, you come back speaking another language and, you know, I had a a friend recently, their kid just got, (laughs) I think he was Santa Barbara or something. Yeah. Like that. And he grew up in like <laughs> San Francisco. He's like, really? Like, this is where I got to go. Like my neighbor yeah. everywhere. My my fear was, you know, getting called to Salt Lake City, being right. from Idaho. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that would, All right. So so at University of Utah. I mean, okay. I'm gonna fast forward then. So you ended up going to New York and you were working with Barclay, right? Yeah. So I I uh, spent the the junior year. I uh, JetBlue had a a special deal. At the time, the red eye flights were like one ninety nine, mm-hmm. uh, round trip from Salt Lake to uh, to JFK. So every Thursday night for about six weeks, I got on the flight, would uh, leave at eleven thirty Utah time p.m., mm-hmm. try to get a little sleep, 
in, right. in the plane. So you'd arrive in New York about 6 a.m. I'd go check in at a hostel. Jeez. And, you know, because I, I had no money. I mean, I had a little bit of money from the summer yeah. sales, but it, it's long gone by that time. Right. Uh, and uh, then f- Friday, you try to ha- line up appointments with people, just just kind of hustling. There were some uh, Utah alumni who later go on to get their MBA at some Ivy League schools that are on Wall Street. So I, I networked and, and found them. And and through the course of that, I ended up meeting a great uh, guy, um, uh, Chad. I can't think of his last name, but he was a Barclays. And uh, we would go for what we call an info session. So this was something that I learned instead of reaching out to somebody, if you want to network and saying, you know, Hey, I'm interested in a job. You just say, Hey, I'd I'd love to sit down for 15 minutes for coffee and understand more about your business. And it's, especially if you're a student, most people will say, sure, I'd be happy to do that. So, uh, you try to go have four or five meetings and I ended up meeting some great folks out there and they helped me, um, uh, after we, we get to know them, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm asking about their job. And then by the end of the conversation, I'm like, well, so are you interested in this? And I'd say, yeah, I actually am. I, I think I'd love to do an internship. And then they they do that on their own rather than showing up and saying, hey, I want an internship. Give me an internship. It's right. more of you trying to, to build, a, yeah, yeah. build a relationship yeah. with them. And then and then that ended up uh, coming. And so uh, I learned a lot through that whole experience and ended up uh, getting an internship on the trading floor at Barclays all the invest, investment banks have these large trading floors where it's you know, obviously the, the, um, the classic stock trading floor doesn't exist anymore at the stock exchange. If you go there, that's not what happens anymore. It's all it's electronic. Like the tickets and it's not yeah. all that stuff anymore. Yeah. Right. The, the movies, uh, yeah. you know, from this, the seventies and, and before that's how it was. Now it's all electronic, but on the trading floors at the banks, it's actually really lively. There's, there's, uh, about, three, 400 people on the floor, all talking back and forth. And I thought that's where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And two weeks in the internship, I was, I was not enjoying it. Yeah. Ended up, you know, doing the best I could finishing it out. And then by getting, getting that internship under my belt, I, I kind of leveraged it and uh, pivoted over to Goldman Sachs instead of being on the trading floor to be up a couple floors where you do the research, uh, equity research, and it's more, it's a quiet atmosphere. You're more digging into companies, trying mm-hmm. to understand their competitive position, their their financial statements, their strategy, and I really love that. I really enjoyed that that type of work. That's awesome. So that I was going to ask, it was like a guy coming from Utah, how, how does that happen? But it, it's, you built relationships and you networked with people that had similar backgrounds maybe and uh so did that so being at Barclays did did you know somebody over at Goldman or did you just it's once you get an internship on Wall Street your junior year it's they call it your golden ticket okay and usually you can get a job after that internship you still have to kind of interview well and all that sort of thing but um I I knew Goldman was a place I would really love to work at I actually in uh, interviewed at Goldman for an internship and I didn't get it. Okay. That the year that I got Barclays and I was bummed and hated them. You know, <laughs> right. I'm never working in this place. Yeah, right, Next right. year I go do it again and they like me that time. Right, and I was right. <laughs> Well, you're a little more seasoned. Yeah. I mean, so for people listening that don't know, but I'm assuming, I hate to assume, but I'm going to assume that everybody knows, but Goldman Sachs is like the gold standard of like, of where, like you said before, it's just like where every Yale kid, Harvard, Princeton that wants to be in finance I mean, that's typically where they pull from, right? So 
I mean, that is like the elite status of, a, if you were to want to be in finance and you get a job at Goldman Sachs, it's like you think that you just got a job, you know, for the Yankees or whatever, right? Um, if you're into the Yankees. <laughs> but um, so when you when I saw that, I was like, wow. Yeah, and, and that's that's the environment it is. So showing up there and, you know, thinking you're pretty smart, pretty ambitious, and everyone else there is the exact same way. Right. And uh, it was it was intimidating for a while. You know, it, it made me feel like uh, it definitely made me rise up and want to be my best. And uh, I loved it for that. You're working with the, the great thing is they, they have what's called a flat hierarchical structure. So you work with the very senior people on a team of three or four people. There's a really senior person and then they have a few junior people. And so you're interacting with these really high level people that are partners at Goldman making a lot of money, right. you know, doing, having a, a dinner regularly with, with the CEOs at, at Apple, Tim, Tim Cook. And, wow. and they, they're, they're doing, inter, interacting with them all the time. And then I'm sitting there working on that team, helping right. provide, build the report. And it, it was, uh, it was a, a, a really, um, I knew the work I was doing was uh, the highest level work I had ever. It was it was a little higher work level work than knocking on doors selling security alarms. Right. right. Um, and then our reports, you know, go to the hedge funds and mutual funds, and and then they uh, would it would help them base their decision whether they wanted to make an investment or not. So I it was it was great exposure. One of the companies that we worked with was LifeLock mm-hmm. in 2012. You know, LifeLock was a company based in Tempe. The CEO. Uh, genius guy, Todd Davis, friend of mine, uh, and founder, he put, he was being interviewed by, on, on, uh, CNBC. And he said, I'm so confident in LifeLock service. And this was when they were just starting that I'm going to give my social security number on air because I know I will not have identity theft. Right. And so he gave his social security number on air live and the, the company blew up. <laughs> and, really, really? Yeah. And they they went from having a few thousand uh, subscribers to hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Wow. So they were one of the first uh, projects I worked on, LifeLock, and we'll come back to that later. But uh, I got to know him through the IPO process, him and the CFO. Um, and then you know later they ended up uh, offering me a job to come out and, and run their investor uh, relations here. So let's talk a little bit before we move there, but let's talk a little bit about working at Goldman because yep. – we talked off air about like the how great of a, like a culture that place is, and and I think that people may think it's just like a cutthroat, which it, obviously it is. But the their like motto and vision and mission is like way different than I ever thought they would they would be. Yeah, you know it it, it was such an eye opener for me coming from you know Utah and Idaho, and I got to New York, and so a little bit of kind of a personal side was I was. Uh, you know, growing up Mormon, I was planning to and wanting to do the Mormon path, which is typically get married at a young age, as all my brothers did. Yep. You start start having babies. That's what I wanted to do. But I was also gay. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it started posing. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you that. Yeah. Uh, I gave that away. Yeah. But at the time, no one knew that but yeah. me. So I was through all of college. I wasn't out. And... Um, um, I, in college, I was dating some guys, um, but it was not public. Right. I had told my family a little prior to college, um, but we kept it in the family because I basically said I was bisexual at the time. Yeah. Which uh, there are bisexual people out there, but it's also 
a little softer approach than, hey, I'm, I'm gay. Right. It's, it's, I'm bisexual and I might be with a guy <laughs> or a girl, right? <laughs> it's the transition. In. It, yeah. <laughs> and there's not to say there aren't some bisexual yeah, yeah, people, yeah. but for right. me, I did, uh, right. I did benefit it was from a, soft this is a little softer <laughs> landing. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So I'm like, yeah, so there might be some feelings there for guys, but I'll ultimately end up with a woman and everything right. will be fine. You'll still have your grandkids and, yeah, and yeah. it's easier for them. So they, uh, uh, through college, Nobody, I, I wasn't out through college, um, and I can play it off pretty well that I'm straight guy because I do a lot of straight guy stuff, uh, sports and all that kind of stuff. You know, I just don't like women, so right. that's <laughs> that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. I love women. Yeah. I don't want I don't yeah. want to date women. So. Right, right, right. Uh, but I can play it off pretty well. But I did tr- pretend to date women <laughs> through college too. You, you you figure figure that that's the best cover. This is great. Uh, <laughs> so it's Pride Month, right? So yeah. it's June. Love it. Uh, so I get to Goldman and I didn't really have any plans of coming out anytime soon. And, um, I realize that they uh, immediately, they start sending emails about, they have a, a LGBT, uh, support, uh, uh, affinity group meets, uh, once a month for drinks. There's a bunch of senior members of the company who are out gay, married to their spouses. And it opened me up to a whole new world. And and they, they do a lot of training about how to understand LGBT people. I went to one, you know, as a straight guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I learned so much about myself. It was kind of this. It was this. It was a place where you could you could tell not only was it supportive, but it was affirming. And there's a big difference. You know, you can grow up in a family. It's like, okay, yeah, you're gay. We're not going to talk about it, but it's not a problem. But we're not right. going to talk about it. Right. It's different when you're in a, an affirming place where they're like. Oh, you, you're you're gay. That's beautiful. That's amazing. You have certain talents that maybe other people don't have, but we're gonna affirm it rather than just you know. And they are an affirming place. And what was actually the transition? The the big uh, turning point for me. They sent me an email. They sent it to everybody, and they wanted it was a survey, and they wanted to ask employees who were LGBT how it felt to work there if they felt affirmed. And it, and it was kind of an opt-in, opt-out. If you're straight, you don't need to reply to the email. Right. And I'm sitting there going, okay, well, if I reply to this email, the cat's going to be out of the bag and my manager is going to know that I'm gay, who I was close with, and and he's a great guy. But I didn't necessarily want my whole, you know, everybody right. to know. But then it was like, if I don't reply to this email, and and the reality is that all the things that they had done for me had helped me so much, I wanted them to know. Yeah, I wanted them to know that it was great to work there as a gay yeah. person. So I said, you know what, I'm going to fill out this survey and let them know I appreciate it because I did. Yeah, you know, so I filled it out and sent it in, and then it w- and I knew my manager was going to find out. And the next, uh, a few days later, I I got to the point where I said I'm going to let my family know and that I'm going to come out publicly. And I I did on YouTube because I have a big extended family. And so I recorded a, a a YouTube video. I didn't want to have to tell all my aunts and uncles <laughs> individually, <laughs> but you there's know, there's a lot. There's a lot, <laughs> yeah. and it's a it's a you yeah. know an emotional thing. Yeah, you know, getting into all that. But I also wanted them to all hear it from me. Yeah, instead of through the game telephone, where you know one aunt tells one other aunt. You know, yeah. You, I wanted them to hear it from me and have to kind of see me and have to kind of deal with it. Yeah. Growing up, I didn't know any gay people, so. Right. 
I wanted people to know that we do exist. I'm in your family and I want you to, to see me. So did it in a video. It ended up, um, uh, ended up being the best thing I've, one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I wish I had done it earlier. You know, all the, all the fears you have once it actually happens, um, you realize those were a lot of those were in your head. People were a lot better than I ever thought. So how did you do it? Did you, did you just distribute it like via email or how did you? I actually did... posted on Facebook. Okay. Uh, recorded at YouTube, posted on Facebook. Ended up, I, I thought I really made it for t- about two or 300 people in my life. College friends, mission friends, family. Yeah. I just thought they'd see it and watch it. And then a lot of them ended up sharing it. And it's not really a, it, it's not a, a uh, it's a kind of serious, somber video. As I watch it, I'm kind of like, I feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> Honestly, um, but uh, a lot awesome, of people though, shared that, it, and, yeah. and uh, so uh, it ended up. Uh, I end up get, there. Ended up being some press around it because you know, kind of this gay Mormon comes out and uh, NPR National uh, ne- the, the, out of Washington D.C. I did an interview with them a couple weeks later with my brother. Um, and uh, just about being coming out as a gay uh, person, in particularly Mormon, and 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 having support from my family, which was a big part of it, um, and and so it ended up being a really beautiful experience. And and even though I had a lot of uh, fears and emotions around that time, as I look back on it, it's one of the one of the coolest times uh, in seeing how people how people you know when you when you get away from the political side of it or those other things. They just care about other people. Totally. And that's, that's a beautiful thing about it. I just got like a little bit of, uh, let's, yeah, my I'm, hair stood on my arms. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little like, no, that was super cool. Uh, no, that was, I like got the chills kind of, um, so <clears throat> when you left, so when, so let's go back to life like then. So you met him and he said, come out here and work with me. Yeah. So that was in 2012. Okay. And, we covered them as a company for three years and I wrote research on them and they kind of became one of my favorite companies. So a lot of the, the uh, hedge funds and mutual funds, when they would look, want to invest in Goldman Sachs, they would start, they would talk to me because they knew I knew it well. And I was ready, uh, fast forward to 2015, I was ready to get out of New York. Um, it's tough when you grow up in the West yeah, to go back East and, there's just so much more room out here, right? <laughs> more <Yeah. laughs> recreation, and and I'm I'm just a West guy. Even though I loved the energy of New York, I was looking to get back out here, and I knew they were in Tempe, which was really unique because I have a brother that lives here, went to med school here, and I have another brother who had moved here, and his both families were here, and so that was a draw too. I knew I couldn't go back to Idaho, you know, right? But <laughs> right, <laughs> there's a lot of skiing there, but there's not. There's uh, not a lot else for me there besides uh, family and skiing. And, and Tempe's and, uh, a great spot. Uh, yeah, so Tempe's a great spot, and I love the weather, love the lifestyle here. And uh, so I actually reached out to them, and I said, hey, we know each other well. If you ever have an opportunity where you'd want to bring someone in to do investor relations internally, which most companies end up doing once they go public, and uh, the CFO emailed me back, and he said, actually, your timing's great come on out and visit. And, and a few months later, they offered me a position and, and uh, moved out fall of 2015. Okay. And then how long after you moved out here, did they, did they sell to Symantec? Yeah, about 18 months. Okay. So when I, so I, when I joined the company, stock price was $8 a share. Mm-hmm. And this was the reason why it was one of my favorite companies. They, the, the whole, uh, 
social security uh, ploy yeah. and marketing technique, which really built the company, uh, got them in a little bit of trouble with the F- FTC. And so the FTC sued them. The stock was about 20 bucks a share, and the FTC sued them in uh, 20, late 2014. And the stock went down to 7 bucks a share. And so I started talking about it a lot, saying, hey, this is, a, this is a big deal with the FTC, but once this gets cleared up, this thing's going back to 20. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time that I reached out to them, and they said, hey, your timing's good. With this whole FTC thing, it would be good to bring you in. Help, help us get over this and, and uh, join the company, moved out. And then about six months later, we, we settled with the FTC. Stock immediately went back up to the high teens. And then six months later, we were acquired for 24 bucks a share by Symantec. Wow. So our investors had a really good, and, and me personally, getting stock options, eight bucks a share yeah. and selling for 24, 18 months later, it ended up being a great right. outcome. So, so then you're like, so what? What should I do now? <laughs> I can do it anything I want. <laughs> yeah. Basically, right? So is that when you started? So there was there's a gap in time, though. So in between when you started Neighborhood Ventures, were you what were you doing? So we did a... I, uh, when I was in New York, I bought a 10-unit commercial building on the side. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, in Idaho. Renovated it. And I really loved real estate <laughs> all my time in New York and working on Wall Street kind of just drew me even more to real estate the stability the fact that it's tangible and so I knew I started investing in it on the side and once LifeLock got acquired I decided not to go back into kind of corporate and I wanted to do more of those types of projects commercial real estate projects I wanted more freedom I wanted more flexibility and I knew with the internet that um, I'm not a guy that spends a lot of time at the golf course, mm-hmm. and and that's where you have if you want to start doing being a commercial real estate developer, you have to start building relationships with high net worth folks. Yep. And I I knew that wasn't really me. I, I'm more of a of a uh, tech guy, and I thought, what if we could do this but do it online and take these potential real estate investments and development, put them online and open it up to investors online because a lot of people would rather invest online nowadays than than sit down with somebody, uh, you know, a financial advisor or, right. or what have you. And you might have to get a lot more of those investors online, but you don't. It's a, a different way of, of doing the business. So I was drawn to to that. And new laws had been passed around crowdfunding, where you could raise money online for these projects with people um, who aren't wealthy folks. Because just to step back a little bit. The government does have rules around a lot of rules around investing, and most commercial real estate investments are only open to accredited investors who are wealthy investors. You either have to have a net worth of a million dollars or more, or uh, income of two hundred thousand dollars a year, three hundred thousand dollars a year a year if you're married. So it's about one percent of the population. That's that's the definition of accredited. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Most deals, most uh, real estate syndications of apartment buildings, commercial real estate are only open to accredited investors. And until crowdfunding laws were passed in uh, 2012, they were only open to accredited investors. Right. So uh, when when part of the JOBS Act, President Obama signed, signed the law that opened up crowdfunding, and I knew that that had happened, and so some of these things kind of all came together for me, and I, I had the idea I want to create a crowdfunding company for real estate projects, and that's what I wanted. That's, that's my next gig. Yeah. Had anybody else done this yet? Are, are, a a are bunch there of any 
out there besides Neighborhood yes. Adventure? Okay. A bunch of companies had started uh, right after the Jobs Act had been, had been passed. They had got a bunch of VC money. So one of one of the most famous ones, Realty Shares, they had raised about eighty million, and they're now closed. <laughs> they're okay. now defunct. Uh, there were uh, the one of the first ones called Fundrise still exists, but there was this idea that after the that crowdfunding law was passed, there was going to be kind of a bum rush to online investing, mm-hmm. and it was going to be this huge new industry. It ended up being okay, but it wasn't this huge uh, change. And, and so by the time I got interested in it, some of those companies had already failed. And I was looking at it as, okay, I'm not trying to create the next Google or anything. I just want to create a cool company that does something different. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just always in Arizona. You know, we build a base, a core base of a couple hundred investors and we do more and more projects. Uh, I didn't know exactly how it would look, but I knew I didn't want to do corporate anymore. Right, yeah. Um, I, I was trading out of that. Um, and, and I ended up that summer doing a... Uh, project in Rocky Point. It's a uh, a house conversion. I converted it to a seven unit Airbnb in Los Conscious. Conscious? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and so I did that the summer that summer after Lot Rocky or LifeLock got acquired. You know, thinking maybe I'll move to Mexico and, and just live there the rest of my life. Yeah. And live right. on the beach. Yeah. So wait, and, you uh, turned a house into seven units? Yeah. It was the house was built. Um, when it was built, the rooms are all separate with separate entrances. Okay, cool. So the minute I saw it, I was like, oh, that's a perfect Airbnb. So a little, little, little apartment building. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's basically a little apartment building, and it's right on the beach. A oh, beautiful awesome. beach. But it, it needed a lot of work. It was yeah. built in 1983. It had no renovation. So, uh, so I moved down there that summer and went after that project. And through the course of that and, and that summer, I met... John Kabrowski, who's now the co-founder of Neighborhood mm-hmm. Ventures, and um, did you meet him down there? Uh, no, didn't meet oh, him okay. down. There. <laughs> I was say, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, I was I was looking at a building here to potentially buy before I did the Rocky Point one. Okay, and the sell the the broker, I told him I wanted to do crowdfunding, real estate crowdfunding company, and he said, "Well, my boss talks about that all the time," and I said, "Well, who's your boss?" and he said, "John Kabrowski." And I just jotted the name down. Then I went home and did some Google searches. And John's like a really well-known commercial uh, uh, broker here in, in Phoenix. Yeah. I sent him an email and he immediately replied back and we started talking and we both wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. He's an a expert in real estate and I'm a, I'm a investment guy. Yeah. And so we decided to, to partner up and do it together. And, and we launched uh, Neighborhood Ventures the fall, fall of that year. So LifeLock was, was bought out February two, 2017, and we started Neighborhood Ventures in the fall of 2017. Okay. So in what year, so did you guys have your first actual deal in yeah. 2017, or was it 2018? We started at the end of 2017, December, and it was a small little Tempe 10-unit uh, apartment building. Wait, back up, John. So his his like his like main commercial space was apartments. Yeah. Right? Okay. Primarily, primarily apartments. Okay. So his company here, ABI Multifamily, they sell more apartments than anybody right. else in Arizona. They're, they've consistently been number one by CoStar, and he's been in the industry for thirty years. So, yeah. so he found the he's deal. An OG. He's an o- he's an OG. <laughs> yeah. A little bit too much of uh, <laughs> of an OG because he he just knows everything about you know. Every uh, he's a great, yeah. great partner. Um, and, um, 
especially uh, for me, he, he can focus on one area and I can focus on another yeah. area. So yeah, first project was a little project and we thought, okay, we got to raise $500,000 from investors. This will probably take about three or four weeks. <laughs> and and uh, we, we had done some marketing. We got a little bit of PR and after about three months, we had raised like a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! <laughs> wow! Why and it was. That, why do you think that is? <laughs> no, everyone's like, well, okay, we 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 get you guys have a background in this, but you've never done this before, yeah. and you, you don't really have a huge network here. At that yeah. at that point, you didn't have a huge network here. John, mm-hmm. but you would think that he probably, he, well, he was going after a whole different we, demographic than he's ever gone after. So too. we made a, a little rule between us that we're not going to go to our rich friends. Yeah. We wanted to build a business Okay, that um, was a real business. And that was, it was kind of a test. Like, yeah. can we take this idea, go out to the market and it will people come in and invest in smaller increments. So our minimum investment, we decided would be a thousand dollars. Wow. And we needed to raise, raise 500000 And we figured people would probably invest a little more than that. And our averages end up being five 5000 is our okay. average. So we needed about 100 investors. But the other part of it is uh, just because someone's interested in what you're doing, they believe in it, it's actually hard to get somebody to write a check. Totally. Even for $1,000. In fact, sometimes it's easier to write a check for 25000 if you out of your IRA than $1,000 for some, right. pe- you know, in some circumstances, because that might be somebody, you know, that $1,000 might be mean more to them. And so it was hard. It's an educational process. Um, so we were, we continued to do a lot of events. We had one event with 150 people at it. It was like workshops. You come and speak yep. and then you, you yep. would you go, right. would you go over the whole IRA thing, a self-directed IRA, we, all the options they could we'd do. We'd touch on that, okay. but then we'd talk a lot about this project and what we thought we could do with it. We we're going to renovate it, you know, why it was such a good project in the area that mm-hmm. it was in. And um, uh, we were sitting in a meeting. So initial at, at this time, we were going to pay all of our investors – um, everybody was going to be treated the same, including the company, in, in what's, what, what's called common equity. So if the project does great, maybe investors would have got a 14 or 15% return, annual return. If the project didn't do so great, it might be 2-3%. Right. Just kind of dependent on the project. And, and then we told, we're in a meeting of 150 people, and we told all the investors this, and we said we do have one investor who's going to, come in um, with a couple hundred thousand, we're going to pay them preferred equity at uh, 10%. And one of the investors said, well, what's preferred equity? And we said, that that gets paid first. So that's kind of in the the capital stack of things that right. get paid first. You first know, debt, position. First position. So debt's yeah. always first, and yeah. then preferred equity, then common equity. And the investor said, well, can I have the preferred equity? Because this common equity thing, you're telling me it could be up, it could be down. What... I'd, I want to do the preferred equity. If I could yeah. do that, I'll invest today. Yeah. And then another investor said, yeah, I'm interested in that too. Right. And it was almost like this room, it happened. And we kind of look at each other and we're like, yeah, we could do co- preferred equity for, for, um, for you folks too. And we ended up going and restructuring it. And this was after about four months. We had, we had raised a couple hundred thousand. And Instead of instead of doing it the way where everybody was going to get common equity, so the project could be up or down, we paid everybody twelve percent preferred, wow. and and that was the deal. And if we did better than twelve percent as the managing partners, then great, we'll we'll take those profits. But they're getting the first twelve percent of the profits. Yeah. 
and we changed it, we tweaked it, we uh, sent out the updated offering, and we ended up funding it in three weeks. Wow. And since then, and we've done, we're, we're just next week launching our 10th project. Um, we've done them all at a 12% annual preferred return for our investors. And, and, and folks get it, and they love it. It works well for us. We know once we get them paid at their 12%, then all of the upside could be profit to the company. But we, ha- we got to get that done first in order to get any profit. So is, there, is the common investors still there or is this only preferred now the so common no. is held by the us okay and and okay. all of our investors are preferred okay cool so even the thousand dollar guy five thousand they're they're preferred yep. okay cool so all right so that one's done so then your next one was it that fast then then you raised money super quick yeah the second one I, we raised in uh 60 days okay. we raised six hundred thousand. then the third one was a it was an eight unit airbnb in south scottsdale and we raised that in three weeks so that was really cool. So that one's been up and running for a couple of years now then. Yeah, and that we've already sold that one. So we oh, renovated it. So okay. We renovated that one. Uh, we bought it for 130 a unit. We put in about 40,000 a unit to renovate it. And we ended up selling it uh, la- late last year for about 240 a unit. Wow. And so all our investors got paid out on it. And so say you wanted to keep it and keep it in your portfolio. So you refinance it. Do the investors have the opportunity to, do you pay them out or do they have the opportunity to stay in with you? We, we do refinance our debt okay. um, because our initial loan, when we get it, includes some renovation components to c- help us cover renovations. But we, re- we refinance the debt, but we end up selling the buildings in either two or three years. Oh, okay. We don't refinance them and keep them. And then okay. everyone just gets paid out in that time period. We, we get that question a lot, though. Well, if this is a great building, why don't you just want to keep it? Yeah. And the reason why we don't is that's just not our business. Um, we end up selling these buildings to people who want turnkey projects where they just own it and right. collect cash. Yeah. We, we have a crew. We have a renovation crew. We're looking for deals where we can go uh, renovate, do value add, and then we'll sell them. And that's just our, our sweet spot right now. Maybe over time we'll evolve into other things, but that's what we do well right, right. now. So does John find the find the properties and then you do like the the cost analysis? Do you underwrite it basically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And and so at, like watching the videos, Rocky seems like she's a huge part of the deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she is. So yeah, Rocky. We uh, John and I founded the company, and then Rocky was one of our early investors. Okay. Oh wow. And um, she she's a great personality and, and then she started we started talking about some like design ideas and i saw she had a, a big following on on social media with design and i was like hey, we need to bring brocky in because john john was doing the design at that point and um, <laughs> he he has a decent eye i will say he's sometimes done so many right so <laughs> but he he's knows the, what yeah. people like probably but, right and, and that's part of it is he knows he knows from an apartment standpoint yeah. the 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 types of colors and stuff to use and, and materials. And he's great with that, but we needed another eye to, yeah. to make these properties really have some character and people will pay for a property that has cool colors, cool totally. textiles, and they'll rent and they'll pay a bit more for that than the, the bland one, you know, yeah. that even if it's new. And so we added uh, Rocky to our team and um, she adds some good spice to the bland conversations that John and I have, you know, so <laughs> yeah. we, we needed that. And she's our designer, and uh, she also uh, uh, is part of our investor uh, relations team. And uh, so together, we, we go out and look at properties. We pass on a lot of properties. We When we decide we want to move forward on one, all three of us agree on it. She brings the design component. John finds the deal. 
He's also really good at, he manages our property manager. So we have a third property property manager who helps lease it up. Okay. And he manages our crew that does the renovation. So he does, he does a ton. I focus on fundraising yeah. and, um, and all our financial reporting and accounting. Once we've started a project, making sure all of that's tight. Yeah. As an investor, that's such an important thing. And we always, we, we try to do a few things. We, we got to make sure we do what we say we're going to do. Yeah. And we always try to stay ahead of the investor so that the last thing you want as an investor is to make an investment and not hear back from the, the company for a while. And you're like, what's going on with that investment yeah. I made? We want to we reach out to you, send you correspondence before you have even thought of that. So we, we try to stay ahead. And our investors really uh, are more engaged with, with our projects because they can see our videos, our updates. Yeah. And that's what I focus on is that side of the business and really having great you know, investor uh, experiences. Yeah. So I'm going to get into just a little bit of the, the marketing side of things kind of as we wrap, because I think that everybody can go on to what, what's your website. It's neighborhood.ventures. Neighborhood.ventures. And obviously they're, they're on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and yeah, YouTube. Instagram. And then YouTube, YouTube there's a, amazing. yeah, there's a ton of videos on YouTube to find out all the information uh, you could ever want to ever want to see about what's going on. What's super cool? So, whose idea was it to do like basically like a mini reality <laughs> show, right? I th I think it was we were out at a property and and John's funny because he'll uh, we're talking and all of a sudden he has a ladder and he's out up on the roof and I'm what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. oh I got to check this AC seems a little loose and I'm like he's one of those guys <laughs> yeah. that he's gets a hammer and he starts going going crazy. So it was kind of like you know, maybe we should start capturing some of his craziness, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and just showing people what goes into this. Yeah. And along with the design component and everyone likes to see a, a makeover of a property from, from, you know, something that doesn't look great to a, to a new beautiful project. So we brought that component in and then we, uh, we, we built a series, a YouTube series around it. And we're on our 16th episode, uh, that, that comes out with our next project. And, um, uh, it's been really fun. It's fun to, to share it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great marketing tool for sure. It's funny, I like, we have the same sort of, I wouldn't say issue, but like I look at some of your videos and it has like maybe a thousand views and then there's one video of you just talking, like writing on the board, it was 8,000, you know, 800, you know, views, right? Right. And you just never know who's, like what it's, what it's doing for you, but you only need a few people to watch it. Does it really go, okay, this is something I want to be involved in. Yep. And as you guys grow and because they're really, they're really well done, right there. You guys spend some money on these. It's, yeah. just, it's like you have a camera crew with you at all times, yeah. you know, during these projects. And I think the big thing, we, you know, we get all our, our new investors just word of mouth. And a lot of our investors will are happy to share those videos with their friends. Yeah. So, cool. so you put out a good product like that and we, we do put a lot of focus on it. Then, then they end up sharing it a lot more than if it's kind of, you know, just put together. Yeah. So is that you or Rocky that oversees like the production of those? So uh, we both work on it together, but, uh, I have a friend who makes documentary films. So this is a little insight guys who make documentary films, they make their money in, in about, uh, 20% of the year. And then the rest of the year, they're kind of twiddling their thumbs. And so I started talking to him. I said, hey, and you, you know, you have any downtime? He said, yeah, I, sometimes I'm super busy for like stretches, but mm -hmm. then I have a lot of downtime. And, and I snagged him, and he's been the one that's per, that's filmed those and done, done, the, done all yeah, of those. Yeah, you can tell he's very, he's very he's great. He's good. Yeah. Trey's so really great. freaking good too, by the way. 
and he's been working yeah. on a, a little documentary for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna be doing the work for us doing it. And it's an art, and I, I, um, it's a great industry that for for people like like trade that have a, a an ability to do it. There's just we just need more. There's going to be more and more of a need for that. And it and there's a big difference between doing it really well and you know how I do it <laughs> if I were to right. <laughs> so right I mean you could even just tell just like the beginning of the videos with the drone coming up and just all the just, just the there's like the b-roll stuff and all that stuff super it's it's really well done I loved your uh, workout at uh, the Mona Plaza <laughs> good you saw that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is it CrossFit with water yeah yeah it's cross yeah cross swim cross that's swim. oh that's yeah. that's great and I and I will say. Uh, that one might have the most views wow. if you check it on YouTube. That we, we've we've crossed over a hundred thousand on that one. <laughs> oh yeah! And wow. uh, uh, you should so take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the burpees. <laughs> um, so moving forward, so um, the the podcast kids that kiss my assets. Yes. Right. Okay. So that's just another thing. You're like, all right, we've already doing the videos. We're doing this basically a little show. You're doing your documentary, every, all your projects, and then you're like, now we need to do a podcast too. <laughs> and the podcast, like, what was the theory behind, like, why we needed to do this? So just a little longer form okay. uh, format, similar to this, where you can have a, a general conversation. So typically, if you go back to how commercial real estate is typically funded, and we're taught, we've talked about the country club, yeah. or, you know, meeting folks of high net worth, before they'll write a check to you, they want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. They want to spend some time with you. They want to see how your what your personality's like. We don't. We can't do that with our investors, but through media and and platforms like podcasts and our video, we want to spend as much time as we can for folks to get to know us, feel comfortable with us, and so the podcast gives us that format that's a little bit more free flowing. We get into more detail than you can on video, and uh, you know some folks love podcasts, some folks love video, so yeah. we 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 do them both. Yeah, it's it's like an informative like you go over like numbers and you you know it's like exactly how the project's being done so i mean it's yeah. i get it um i mean it's basically why we started this one too just not for the information side of things but just more of like getting in front of more people yep and then just having cool people on just just you know telling their stories and you know being raw authentic like we did today yeah and, it, and, <laughs> and if you create great stuff like you guys are um that's a big value to people people um, me, me included. I love podcasts that are ins- inspirational, yeah. local folks. Uh, that that stuff is is powerful. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. And so, as far as like somebody getting involved, like we said, go to the website. For me personally, like I watched some of the projects, and I wasn't like looking at the dates, and I'm like, I want to do that one. I want to. I want to be a part of that one, right? Because you guys <laughs> do a really good job. I mean, obviously, especially the returns are good right now. It's, incredible market for the especially those like 10 20 unit apartment complexes i mean there was, yep. you guys are murdering it and everybody who's doing apartments right now are killing it um so it's really cool though because it gives somebody the opportunity like trisha myself trey you know even you know you get somebody that's like 21 years old they're like hey i want to get started in this how do i get started in this business well if i have a thousand bucks or and, you know this is how i'm gonna roll i'm yeah. gonna start it off and so it's an incredible idea and it's awesome that you guys are doing it and, and we have school teachers we have asu students we have uh postal tell carriers. the story of the postal guy <laughs> Dude, that's a real quick story and then we'll yeah. yeah that's a great yeah. story well I will, I will say is any company that starts up you're gonna have your tough times right yeah <laughs> and i i feel like uh 
the our tough time was was probably um about a year and a half ago, you know, and, and right around, actually around COVID at the beginning of COVID, you're trying to figure out how is this all going to work out? So it was more like a year ago and we had an open house planned and, uh, it was a tough time for us as we're trying to navigate COVID. And then we were still a, a new company and you have so many challenges as a new company anyway. And we, uh, you know, so I went to our open house and I was, I was kind of, uh, I felt, um, I felt the business, you know, maybe this isn't what I want to do for a long time. You know, frankly, I was yeah. like, I was like, uh, you know, can, you can make a lot of money in, in, uh, just working at a company yeah, <laughs> and, and right. why did I give that up? Right. You know, we're sitting here with, with COVID and a new company that hadn't generated any money yet. And, uh, <clears throat> we did this open house and there was a guy there that was a postal carrier and, and it was for our investors. So we had about 50 investors there and this guy had his uniform on. Oh, cool. And I went up to him. And I said, "So, are you are you an investor?" And he said, uh, "He said I am." He said, "I I love what you guys are doing. I never thought I'd be able to to own a project, be a part of a project like this. And I've I've invested a few thousand dollars in it because I've worked in this neighborhood for twenty years, and I know where it's going. I've seen." where it's going. And if you think of a postal carrier walk in a neighborhood, they know more about that neighborhood than anybody. Yeah. And it was so um, gratifying to me. My, my grandpa, after being in World War II, was a postal carrier for 40 years. And finances were always tight as yeah. a postal carrier. And he worked, he worked hard. hard. That's hard, hard work. Yeah. And so I'm not saying we're changing this, this guy's life. Not not saying that, but I was happy that he was excited about yeah. investing with us, and it made me feel realize what why we were doing what we were doing, and that was to reach more people and give them the opportunity to own these assets that are good assets. They're they're steady, they pay good cash flow, they feel better than investing in the market that is such a roller coaster. Some people just aren't cut out for that, and this just gives them another opportunity. And this was a guy that really. That 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 impacted me when I actually needed it at that time as yeah, as the founder right. of the company. Well, that's cool, and then things turned you know, shortly after that too. So yeah, you know, and you're here. Yes, and now the company exists. So the <laughs> last year has <laughs> been has been great. That's awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming and doing this because this is like why we kind of do it, right? It's just been it's fun to hear the stories, but like you know, this is a different thing that we haven't done yet. I had never heard of this before until. We started talking to you guys about it. Yeah, we have to give a shout out to Elena. Yeah, again. Elena, thank you so much she's for. Uh, she's awesome. Yeah, she's, she's great. Incredible. We tried to hire her. She her. won't. She won't take us. <laughs> <laughs> That's for real. She's like, I can't. I don't have any room in my life or any more any more people. But uh, yeah, shout out to her and and again, thank you so much. Go to neighborhood dot ventures or neighborhood dot. It's just neighborhood.ventures. Um, and then if you want to more, if you want to learn about this, like go online and go to YouTube because they'll talk about the IRAs and how you can use self-directed IRAs, use that kind of money. It's a tax benefit. You can talk about, a lot. I mean, they talk about a lot of stuff, anything. I mean, basically just watching you do it on the whiteboard or on the glass, it's a great indication of showing how, you know, the money you can make versus going out and buying, you know, put it in a savings account or put it in buying stocks or going out and buying bonds. Um, so you do a really good job in that. And the fact that, you know, you, the background that you have, putting the two of you together, well, three of you really, but, um, I mean, it's it's like, where else are you going to find two people that are that achieved in life 
doing a business together so people feel comfortable that's somebody i would feel comfortable with yeah. knowing that the, the finance guy came from goldman sachs at one point um and helped lifelock go public so again check them out thank you so much jameson appreciate it man this has yeah. been fun thanks for inviting us and uh, great to meet you guys and your team for sure trish you want to do one little rapid fire or do you think um yes i will do one rapid fire sorry I totally we like closing i just we usually do this like no, it's like it's like her favorite thing to do. <laughs> this how this this shows me that how intrigued she's been in this yeah, one I'm totally because she, absorbed. she's like I hardly <laughs> talked too. I was, and I actually have only taken like four photos. So yeah, it's a good sign. Um, okay, uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram? Uh, Instagram. And why? Uh, you don't have to read anything. You just see pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we need that. Yeah, I prefer that. You, you, I'm sure you read enough all day long. <laughs> yeah. Who manages your your Insta the business Instagram? Rocky. Rocky does. She does an excellent job. Thank you. By the way, I'll yeah, all of that. your media is incredible. Does she come from like a marketing? She's background? very self-taught. I will say. Yeah, I would say. she's incredible. Yeah. I aspire to be. Her. Yeah, and she has a big like, following on Instagram that she just built on her own. Yeah, around we, design. we follow her. Yeah. yeah. So okay, cool. I'm gonna ask you one more. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? I am a night owl, and I try to be a morning person. <laughs> so do you work out in the morning or do you work out at night? <laughs> Usually at noon. <laughs> okay, yeah. Or okay. night. Yeah. yeah, Not in the morning. Yep. Yeah. I, I did have one thing that's not rapid fire that I just wanted to make sure that it got brought up at some point. But your um, Eldon project... And Ryan went to NAU. Oh, so yeah. I was trying to yeah. place like where that was. I was like yeah. watching the video, and um, <laughs> that that one was particularly interesting to me. I used to live in Flagstaff as well. Yeah. So all the reasons that like John was talking about in terms of why Flagstaff yep. being landlocked. Yeah. That I, I just thought that that was cool. You guys left Phoenix and start. And yep. are you planning on going beyond uh, Arizona? Yeah. We, yeah. We we do want to go beyond Arizona, but it's the area that John knows the most and. Uh, to do what we do and do it well, you need to have a deep level of expertise in the area and in the market. And John has a second home in Flagstaff, so he goes up there a lot. Is he up in that area, the Eldon Hills area, uh, like the East Flag? Um, you know, I actually don't know. I just yeah. know. Um, That's where it is, right? Eldon Hills yeah. is by a country club. Off well, country club? The, 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 the road is, El Eldon. is Eldon. Oh. Eldon. It's more. It's more downtown near campus. the near oh, okay. the campus. It actually and, reminded uh, me, um, or I just in my mind, I. I create a little spot for it near your, um, remember that duplex that you lived in? Of Paseo del Flag. Of Paseo del Flag. Because you were talking about like the proximity yeah. of like Pita Jungle and Oh, so it's right up it's there more for yeah. like yeah. Lone Tree. Like, yes. Yes. Okay. In that area. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I was picturing it. Fairly short walk downtown to the downtown cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's cool, that's cool the way that you had like the rustic angle on that, right? It yep. was very different than what you guys have been doing down here. Yeah. Well, so. they revived that area hugely too, so... So anyways, all right. Yeah. So again, thank you so much. Thanks, Trisha. Thank you, Trey. I almost said Dylan because that's the other guy. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. <laughs> and again, thank you to VIP for having us and let, allowing us to do that here or do this here. Um, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Go to YouTube, please. We need likes and subscribes, likes and subscribers. Um, that's the only way we can keep this going, right? So we need to be able to have people check it out. So thank you. Remember, yeah. we're, oh, we're sorry. We're evolving. Our, our LinkedIn. We're, we're LinkedIn, is, our LinkedIn You're getting serious. Happening. You got we LinkedIn. Are. I mean, we're very business. <laughs> so yeah. uh, anyways, thanks again. And uh, everybody go check this one out. Appreciate it. Real Talk is brought to you by escrow. The letter S grow. 
Disorganization and constant communication are huge problems in the real estate journey. And it's an issue that I think most real estate agents, well, at least some real estate agents, uh, struggle with in their CRM systems. There's a lot of options out there and a lot of people have different ones. And when I'm speaking with the agents that are that we work with or that are our referral partners, the big hurdle is the actual creation of the templates and actually creating the, the automation that goes out for milestones. So escrow kind of takes all that away. So everything's pre-written for you. You have multiple choices to, to go from, um, to choose from, I'm sorry. So if you're looking for a CRN system that is super easy to use and will eliminate a lot of the confusion and the heavy lifting up front, go to escrow.com, S, the letter S, grow.com. VIP Mortgage Incorporated does business in accordance with the Federal Fair Lending Laws, NMLS ID 145502. For state-specific licensing, please visit www.vipmtginc.com forward slash national hyphen licenses forward slash. VIP is not acting on behalf of or at the direction of the FHA, HUD, or the federal government. VIP is an equal housing lender.